by all Christians in the world today, right? Uh, it is true, but you hear this in all kinds of denominations all over the place where, you know, they just don't really want to say anything but, you know, God is love. And that means that we should be accepting of everybody and everything that they do and never say anything bad about them. Uh, but is that what that verse is really talking about? Is it talking about that all love is okay and all love is from God and everything that we do and all of our opinions about love are correct? Or is it a specific type of love that it's talking about there? Is it really talking, to, is it talking about you know, every love that we have for other people or is it talking about the love that God has for us and specifically the message of the gospel? And so that's really what we're going to get into today. Uh, we're going to get to that verse, but we're going to be going over the whole passage that that verse is in. So you can really see what that is talking about here. The type of love that we really should have for one another is not a love that's just accepting of whatever, but is really that we're willing to sacrifice for one another, that we're really willing to put other people's needs above our own. Right. And that's that's the type of love that God wants us to have. And uh, basically saying that whatever people are doing is OK, that's not showing them love. We need to tell them the gospel. That's showing them love. Right. And so that's what this passage gets into here. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer before we open up our Bibles this morning. Dear Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for giving your word to us uh, uh, for giving us the complete word, Lord, and that we don't have to uh, rely on other people to tell us things about you, uh, but that we can just look into your word, Lord, and we have it to uh, tell us everything that we need to know, Lord. And uh, I pray, Lord, as we move forward this morning, uh, that you would help us to learn about love this morning and uh, help us to apply these things to our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, the first thing that we're going to see, and we're going to be going through quite a bit of scripture this morning. Uh, we're going to be basically going through First uh, John chapter 4, uh, and we're going to be going for, from 7 to 21. So through the end of the chapter, I couldn't really split these things up. They all go together. And so, um, hold on a second. I'm trying to get an update here. There we go. Um, and so anyway, we're going to be going through a lot, but I couldn't split them up. They, they all go together, and they're all important to understanding each other. So John may sound a little bit repetitive here uh, in this passage, but he's trying to drive home a point here. And so we really should pay attention to that. Uh, anytime you see something in the Bible that's repetitive, uh, that means God's trying to tell us something, right? Uh, that we really need to pay attention to. Uh, and so the first thing that we're going to see here this morning is that lo we love one another because God loves us, right? And so we need to be loving one another because of the love that God has for us. John starts with this and he ends with this as well. And so uh, he's going to give a lot of reasoning for this, uh, but we're going to come back around to this at the end. So first of all, uh, in this point here, uh, we'll see in these first couple of verses that love comes from God. The origin of love is God, right? The origin of everything is God, but especially love, right? And so the or love is from God. First uh, John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. It says, Beloved, let us, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God 
excuse me, and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And so uh, we, we see that there. It's going to be repeated again later. But love is of God, right? And so love comes from God. So if you come to church, right, and you hate other people, and he's going to talk about this, you're not pleasing God, right? You, in order to love God, you have to love other people. Why? Because love is from God. And so again, though, this is a very specific type of love. This is the agape love. This is sacrificial love. And God demonstrates his love. God shows us exactly what this type of love looks like. And so we're to love one another, but God didn't just tell us, okay, love each other, and then give us no instructions about that, right? God demonstrated his love. Uh, the love is demonstrated by God. We see this in these next two verses here. So he commands us to love one another. He tells us that love is from God. And now he's saying that, well, this love was shown by God. So 1 John chapter 9 verses, or sorry, 1 John chapter 4 verses 9 through 10 says, In this, the love of God was manifested towards us. In other words, it was shown towards us, right? It was manifested. Uh, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, right? And then he also notes here, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And so what is love? That is the gospel, that Jesus came and died for our sins. And so how are we loving other people? Well, we got to share with them that, that we are wretched, awful sinners, but God loved us anyway and sent his son, right? You know, people a lot of times look at that, the verse and, uh, uh, in uh, John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, right? Uh, people look at that and they go, wow, God loved the world so much that he sent his son to die for us. But that's not the, what the word so means there, right? When, you say, when it says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, the word so means the way that he loved the world. And so when it says, for God so loved the world, it's saying, in that way, he sent his only son. So how did God show his love towards the world? He showed it by sending his son to die for us. And so that's such an awesome thing. And that's something that we need to remember throughout this passage. People need Jesus. That is the way that we can show them love, right? So he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, paid for them completely. And I love that, though, that it actually points out that not that we love God, right? Because if we're, if we're lost, right, let's face it, we're at enmity with God. So, in other words, we hate God if we're lost. So, but God loved us even in that state that he sent his son to die for us. That's an awesome thing. So God loved us even when we didn't love him back. It's a pretty awesome thing. And so... Uh, verse 11 here. We need to love one another because God loved us. So the reason behind our love for each other, the reason why we come here and we're not 
you know, doing a bunch of mean things to each other, we shouldn't be doing a bunch of mean things to each other, is because God loves us, right? And so if God loves you personally, then you don't, does God love your brother sitting next to you? Yes. And so should you love your brethren because of that? Yes. If God loves them, you should love them as well. If God can forgive someone of their sins, should we be able to forgive them as well for whatever they've done against us? Yes. You know, uh, Jesus was asked by his disciples, how many times should we forgive? Seven times? No, Jesus says 70 times seven, right? So that doesn't mean that you do it, you know, just that many times. It means that you should do it continually, right? He was, he was saying just a very large number, infinitely uh, large amount of times. Keep forgiving, right? So it's the same way. If God can forgive us, we can forgive. If God can love us, if God loves everyone, we should love them as well. The next point here. And John really wants to focus on the gospel here. This is the gospel message here. We need to believe in the love that God has for us. Believe in the love that God has for us. You know, that's something that uh, when all of us, you know, when we came to be saved, right, we, we understood that. Sometimes along the way, we start to forget in the love that God has for us. Sometimes we start to, or not forget, but maybe not pay attention to it as much. And for lost people, really need to believe in this because this is what allows you to go to heaven. This is what allows you to be saved is believing in this next passage here. So first with this, believing in the love that God has for us, we need to understand that we see God through his love. So none of us have, has actually seen God. But we can see God through love, right? We can see God through what he has done. Uh, and we continue to see God by showing love to other people, right? So 1 John 4.12 says, No one has seen God at any time. Remember, he's talking to people that claim to have some secret knowledge, right? Or he's talking to people that were being influenced by the Gnostics, right? That they claim to has, have some secret knowledge about stuff. And so he's, John say, hey, no one's seen God at any time. Then he says, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. And so if we love one another, we are literally showing God to other people, right? That's, that's an important reason why we should love one another. Uh, we want others to see God. And we want to see God ourselves. We need to have love in the mix. We need to be caring for one another. And so we can't actually see God, but we can see, his, we can see the way he works in this world. We can see the effects of God, right? You can't see air, right? But if it were gone, you would be dead, right? So we know it's there because of the effects it has. And so we know God is here by loving one another. And we're going to get back to the perfected part of that later when it, when it covers that word again. 
We also see, and so that, that was talking about the Father, the first part of that, we see the effects through love, but also the presence of the Holy Spirit shows God's love. The presence of the Holy Spirit shows God, God's love. So we're going to see all three parts of the Trinity here in this passage. So 1 John chapter 4, verse 13, it says, By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us. Because he has given us of his spirit, right? That's such an awesome thing. So we see the effects of God, you know, the Father, uh, because of love, right? So we see that. And, but also, as saved individuals, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, right? So we can see and that is an act of love in and of, of itself. God has literally given a part of himself to indwell us. He's given us of his spirit, and so that inside you, inside you testifies to God. It's a, such an awesome thing. Jesus says, you know, that he had to ascend in order for the comforter to come. And that's, that's the comforter there. That's the Holy Spirit. It's, it's an awesome thing. Also, uh, by the way, if you don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, you are not abiding in God and he in you, right? That's basically what that verse says. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit working in you, you're not saved, right? And how do you get the Holy Spirit working in you? By accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right? It's a pretty simple uh, uh, solution. Equation, that's what I meant to say. Um, now we also see, though, that God's love, so we show God's love to each other, right? No one here was alive at the time that Jesus died on the cross, right? So we show God's love to each other, right? So that's, that's how people can see the presence of God. But also God's love is shown in Jesus, right? So God, God's love was shown through the sacrifice of his son. Again, this is being a little bit repetitive. It's trying to drive at home here. First John chapter 4, verses 14 through 15. It says, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Right? And so, what is the love that God has shown? That he sent his Son into the world as a savior for the world. And how do you experience this, right? How do you get salvation? It's that verse 15, very simple thing there. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Does it say anything else there other than confessing Jesus? No, right? So is there any other requirement to be saved other than confessing Jesus? No, right? If we believe in him, we confess Jesus, we're saved. God abides in us. What an awesome thing. And so God did all the work. Now, just because this is a very simple process for us does not mean that it was a simple process for God, right? This is a very hard thing. Think about this, right? For the father to send the son to go and die. 
For Jesus to give himself on the cross. That's a, a pretty uh, awesome thing that he did for us. That way, so God did all of the work. That way it could be simple for us. All we have to do is believe, right? Confess Jesus. And so we get to verse 16 here. Very simple lesson to learn. And a very simple message to spread to other people, right? How are we showing love to other people? We tell them this, right? Believe in God's love. Believe in the love that God has for you. Verse 16, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So is this talking about a very general expression of love here? No, it's talking specifically about the gospel message. That is the love that we are to be spreading to the world. That the love that God had for us or has for us. That's what we need to be telling people, right? So again, you know, I think it's kind of funny that, you know, when, you know, these progressive churches, well, you're just, you're, you're just not uh, loving others then if you, you're condemning what they do. Well, no, uh, you, we're all sinners, and the love is that Jesus died for them, right? So I don't care what the sin is. The remedy is the same. Turn to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 through 19. Again, or now, oh, sorry, I skipped ahead a little bit. Sorry, guys, back there. Uh, we need to believe in God. So uh, 1 John 4, 16. Uh, again, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Uh, remember, John is speaking on behalf of the apostles. And so these were men that actually witnessed what the life of Christ, right? John was standing there and talked to Jesus while he was on the cross. So all these people that say they had some secret knowledge and stuff, it's like, no, I saw this happen, right? I saw Jesus while he was on the cross. He saw the love, right? What did, what did Jesus say to him? You know, he's, Jesus entrusted John with his mother, right? John was about as close to Jesus as you could get. And so we should take John's word for it. Don't believe anything anyone else in the world says. Believe scripture here. Believe the people that actually lived with Jesus. Right? That's an awesome thing. And so we're to love others because God loves us. Who else are we to love because God loves us? We're to love God because God loves us. Does that make sense to everyone here? We love God because God loves us. You know, I, you hear in counseling and things, if you ever take a counseling class, you know, uh, with, with couples, uh, they always tell each person in the couple to be the first one to show love to the other. Don't expect love before, you know, uh, before you show it, right? Because everybody a lot of times wants to receive love but doesn't really focus on showing it to other people. But with God, God makes it super easy for us, right? 
We don't have to be the bigger person and go first. God already did it, right? God doesn't expect us to show him love without uh, having received anything. He showed us love first, right? Let's go ahead and read verses 17 through 19 here. It says, love has been perfected uh, among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. <clears throat> Excuse me. And take a drink. Sorry, Danielle, I'm using plastic. <laughs> My wife said, no more plastics. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right. Um, uh, where was I? Uh, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear uh, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So there's really three things to point out in that, in that little paragraph there. First of all, and, and I said we would get back to this, love has been perfected among us. So God's love is perfect, right? God's love is perfect and complete and everything. What does it mean then that God is completing his love among us? See, that's an that's a interesting thing. And really what it is is uh, we have to understand the grammar here because that's not what we think it's saying is not actually what it's saying. I, was, I had to read some commentaries on this. but So the word perfect, we know that means complete, right? Uh, that, you know, that means complete. But really what, it, what it's saying there in that verse is that God is completing us with his love. And so when it's saying love has been perfected among us, God is using love to make us perfect. And so that's, I, know, I know that's complicated, but the Greek makes it a little bit more clear. But that's such an awesome thing. And so when we're showing love to others, when we're loving God and submitting to God, God is using that process to complete us. That's that process of sanctification, right? And so throughout our lifetime, God is making us more and more who he wants us to be. Then he talks about something interesting here. And this is another one that people focus on all the time is uh, about fear, right? We've all heard the song. I, love, I do like the song, Fear is a Liar, right? Uh, understand that there's a couple different types of fear in the Bible. There's fear that is respect, right? There's fear that is actual, like, godly fear. Uh, and then there's fear as in the, like, emotion of fear, right? And so what's being talked about here really is not just the respect, and it's not just the, like, godly fear, right, which is, you know, you should be in awe of God's power, right? God can destroy you, right? That, that, that's to be feared a little bit. But what's talking about here is, like, the emotion of fear. So when people try to manipulate you to do things out of fear, right? Have, have you ever had that before? Boss is like, I'm going to fire you if you don't do this. That's, that's fear, right? That's, that's like coercion in order to do things. God does not manipulate us in that way. God does not want us to serve him out of fear. 
Okay, that's, that's what it's talking about here. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And so we serve God out of love and not fear. God wants us to serve him because we love him, right? We obey God because we love him, not because we're scared of him. God does not manipulate us into loving him. That's, that's a very important thing to remember. Now, understand that we should have a healthy fear of God, right? Again, God can turn you into a pillar of salt, right? Uh, so when, when understanding God's power, we need to have respect, right? And it's not just like a respect that you would have for a boss, but it would be the type of respect that you would have for a wild animal if you came in front of it. You're like, hey, I'm going to not, you know, do anything that's going to make you mad, right? We need to understand that. Uh, when we go into error, right, what does God, what does it say that God does? God scourges and chases, chastens those he loves. You know, that, that word for scourge, that, that is the same word that was used for the whipping of Christ, right? They scourged him. Uh, God will do that to us if we're in error because he loves us, right? We need to understand that, right? A lot of us in here, I mean, especially the older generation, right? Got spanked as kids, right? Or, you know, if you're a parent, you spank your kids. Why? It's not because you hate them. It's because you love them and you want to discipline them and you want to correct their error. And so, but does that mean that your kids should be in fear of you, like where they're cowering before you? No, you still want them to do what you're saying because they love you, right? And so, yes, we do things, we discipline, and there should be a, a fear of discipline, right? But we serve out of love. And, you know, one of the amazing things about being a parent and with kids is uh, my daughter, right, Elizabeth, the oldest, um, the thing that she is most scared of is not getting spanked. It's me being disappointed in her. She, is more, she, she more wants to do the right thing because it'll make me happy. And that's, that, that's how we should be towards God. That's, this, that's the love that it's talking about here that we should have towards God and should make us serve. And so uh, getting to this, why do your kids love you? Because you love them, right? And you, you do everything for them, right? Kids love their mothers right off the bat, especially mothers that breastfeed. They, you're their food source. The very first thing that they remember in this world is you feeding them, right? So that creates a very special bond. Even bottle feeding, right? It's a, it creates a very special bond there. Uh, a lot of times when uh, you... You're in the hospital. Who do they give the baby first to? The father, right? A lot of times they give the baby first to the father. Why? To create a bond. And so what it's saying here, why should we love God? Because God first loved us, right? God was the one that took the first step. And it's not just when Jesus died on the cross. It is that, but I, we have to understand that that was the plan from the foundation of the world. 
God loved us so much that he planned for Jesus to die on the cross from the beginning. And so if this was always the plan of history, then God was always the one that first loved us. And so our love for God is a response to his love. We're the children there. We're not the parent, right? This is not just even a mutual relationship like you have between a husband and wife. This is a relationship between children and their father. Fathers should always be the ones to first love their children, right? If you're a father that demands love from your child first before you give anything, you're a manipulative, terrible father. I'm sorry. Uh, you cannot demand love before you've shown it to, to your children, right? And so, but that's exactly what God has done for us. He's shown us love first, and then we love him. It's such an awesome thing. And so if we love God that much, right? So John started off with, you know, we, we love each other. Why? Because God loves us. And then he says, we should love God because God loves us. Now he's combining the two. We should love each other because we love God. So we need to love our brethren because we love God. The next paragraph here 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. It says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this is the commandment that we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So first, let's look at verse 20 really quick again. You cannot love God and hate your brother. Why? Remember how John earlier said that no one has seen God, right? And so that now he's tying that here to our love to one another. He's saying, you know, if you can't say I love God because you haven't seen him. So you can't love God and hate your brother because your brother is right in front of you. He's showing, that how, how is the love of God shown? Well, it's, it's through us, right? To each other. And so if you hate your brother, you're basically saying you hate God because your brother is a lot easier to love than God because your brother's right in front of you. Now, some of us would disagree with that at times, say, my brother's really hard to love. But the fact of the matter is still the same. Our church members are the people that we live with, right, on a daily basis. If we can't show love to them, how can we show love to a God that we don't see? It's a pretty uh, obvious situation here. And so the command here is this. If you love God, you must love your brother also. They have to go together. They have to, right? Now, again, this doesn't mean that we don't slip up at times, right? And what do we do when we slip up, right? We just ask for forgiveness, right? 1 John 1, 9, same book. If we, if we uh, confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? And so, again, that's to saved individuals, and so if, yeah, we slip up at times when in our loving of one another, sometimes we are not the most loving people. <laughs> but 
we need to understand that that is what God wants from us, right? And so that's how we show love to God. And next week, we're going to talk about this a little bit more at the beginning of the sermon because it kind of overlaps into chapter 5 a little bit. But this is a command here. If you love God, you must love your brother also. There's no separating the two. James talks about that. It talks about that you can't basically bless God and curse your brother with the same mouth. They can't go together, right? And so we need to love each other. Now, in conclusion, as the pianist and song leader come, I want to go back to that middle point. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, that middle point was really for you. Believe in the love that God has for you. Believe in the love that God has for you. He, he did three things, right? He shows his love right now with us, right? People show their love to you. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, someone brought you here, right? Someone invited you, most likely. That's love that they're showing for you. That's love that God is showing for you, okay? So that's the first thing, right? He shows his love through other people. That's the Father showing his love. But God also sent his son to come and die for us. That's the huge thing that God did for you. That's what you need to believe, that Jesus came. He was born in Bethlehem. He lived a perfect, sinless life, and he died on a cross for your sins and then resurrected three days later, right? Believe in that. That is the ultimate showing of God's love. Also, when you believe, you will have this. You will have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, guiding you down the right path, getting you closer and closer to God. It's such an awesome thing. But this morning, all you need to do in order to be saved is believe in what Jesus came and did for you. That he didn't just do this for just anyone. He did it literally thinking about you on the cross. Every single person. And so believe in Jesus Christ and repent of your sins. That's all you need to do this morning in order to be saved. Then you will start a relationship there with God. And you'll be, God will begin forming you and really making you better. It's a really awesome thing. And saving you from hell, and you'll be eternally secure in his hands. It's such an awesome thing. So do that this morning if you have not already.